0: And we welcome you back in, Priority Talk Radio here on Truth 101, WXJC, we are uh, thrilled to have you with us, and we are thrilled to have Melissa Oden with us, as promised, to uh, hear more of her story, learn uh, of of her life and her uh, ministry, and also the new book that she has coming out, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. It'll be out after the first of the year in January. Of twenty We'll tell you much more about that. But, Melissa, it is great to have you with us here on Priority Talk.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, I've given the title of the book, and it sort of speaks <laughs> for itself, um, sp- uh, talking about breaking their silence. Uh, tell us why you've done this book now.
1: Right. The title alone may make people either really want to grab it or go, definitely not for me. Right. So I, I hope people you know, go into this with an open mind, because we need to hear people's stories, especially those who, you know, highlight the truth about every human life. And that's really what this is about for me. And, you know, the the vision for this book came out of my own experiences. So, you know, the reality is babies survive abortions. We survived abortions before Roe versus Wade was passed. Babies like me survived during the time of Roe versus Wade. And babies like me survive abortion still today. And the the hard part is we live in a culture that isn't very supportive of people like me. And so it's hard to find a way to break your silence. And really, that's why this book came about, is if I can give a voice to those who are silenced, um, that is how we change hearts and minds and ultimately change our culture.
0: Well, absolutely. And your story is uh, is... is You've told it wide. You speak uh, all over uh, in the media, national media. But for maybe people who aren't familiar with your story, or just to, to remind them of how powerful your story is, and then you include the stories of 10 other abortion survivors as well in the book, uh, go back and, and, and tell us your story. I, I guess, is, is this kind of a, does it go back to when you're 14 years old? Is that sort of the best place?
1: Yeah, well, and and it's, part of how the book comes about as well is sharing how unique every survivor story is. My story started all age myself 46 years ago, but that's when my birth mother was forced to have an abortion. But the truth is, I did not find out that I was a survivor until I was 14. And as people can imagine, to find out at the age of 14 that not only are you an adoptee, I knew that all my life, but that you survive a saline abortion that poisoned and scalded you over a 5 day period and was meant to take your life. You know, that that is life-changing mm. in and of itself. And, you know, for me, it really has been this journey of me breaking my own silence, which then has allowed me to help others break their silence. And, you know, what I want people to understand a lot, Greg, is that when we break our silence, there's something very empowering in that. And it's ultimately what sets families free is when one person breaks their silence. And, you know, that is one of the most beautiful parts of my, my story, I think, is that, you know, God spared my life and I'm grateful for that. And then he's allowed me this opportunity to forgive my biological family, my abortionist, ultimately connect me with them, and then lead me to this place where I now get to serve women like my birth mother through the Abortion Survivors Network. I get to serve fellow babies like me who survive abortions. I mean, to me, this is what redemption and restoration really looks like.
0: Yeah, just dive a little deeper. Uh, You you find out when you're 14, uh, through a set of circumstances with your sister, uh, your mother breaks the news to you that your mother had had an abortion and you survived it. Um, you know you're here in middle school finding this out my goodness I can only imagine the effect that had on you Uh, you learn over time that about your mother she she was what 19 years old Uh, Mm -hmm. and her did what was her choice to have an abortion what was her circumstances
1: yeah this is a a gradual unfolding of life as well when I was adopted my parents were told that it was my birth mother's quote-unquote choice to have that abortion but and, and, of course, that's what I was told at the age of 14. But what I ultimately found, the more I searched and ultimately connected with her and her family, I learned that, like many women, there was no choice for her in that abortion. She was actually forced to have it um, at the hands of her family. And, you know, this is an important thing we need to talk about in our society. You know, we talk about abortion as a choice and a right, and so many of these you know, terms are are really thrown at us through the media. But the truth is, women and their experiences tell us that so few women really feel like they have any choice. And there's so much coercion. And yes, there's force that happens. And we have to begin to break our silence about that as well, because my birth mother's experience is not unique.
0: Well, certainly not. And so you were able to know who she was and also your biological father over time as well
1: yeah and again every survivor's set of circumstances are very different we actually have found most survivors are raised in their biological family and not placed for adoption Mm. and you know not every survivor even goes looking for their biological family but God really gave me that heart so I started looking for them when I was about 19 ultimately found them really about 10 years later it wasn't until I was about 30 years old that I found out who they were and you know unfortunately never was able to meet my birth father he passed away not long after I found out who he was and
0: you know ultimately
1: my journey to my birth mother took many more years because of you know all the secrets that existed in their family that even my my mom and dad my adoptive parents didn't know but yeah I was very blessed to start communicating with my birth mom back in 2013. And that's how I learned that the abortion was forced on her. And, you know, my grandmother forced it. My grandmother even demanded that other nurses there at the hospital leave me to die. She was a nurse there herself. Mm. And I ultimately learned that my birth mother had sadly spent about 30 years of her life believing that the abortion had been successful. Wow. She thought I had died.
0: Wow. Uh, Melissa Oden is our guest, and you're hearing her story uh, of uh, surviving an abortion. And uh, her new book will be out in January, uh, telling her story and others as well, uh, bringing awareness to this. Now, you were able to learn from doctors, nurses who cared for you there at the abortion. Um, I mean, this is really amazing that you were able to survive, in particular, this type of abortion, correct?
1: Yes, I've been, again, just super blessed in my life to not only have connections with my birth family, but many of the medical professionals who cared for me, uh, some of them before I even knew my whole story. I mean, it's just one miracle after another. I gave birth in the same hospital where my life was supposed to end. Uh, Wow. God has said, yeah, God has just been so faithful. So, yeah, it's a miracle that any baby survives an abortion. In my circumstances, that abortion lasted for days longer than what it typically did just because they couldn't induce my birth mother's labor. Mm. And so it really is a miracle that I survived being poisoned and scalded. And you know, if you're like most people, Greg, most people when they hear that kind of go, hmm, so what's your life been like, Melissa? Well, if you passed me on the street, you would never guess. Mm that I survived an abortion. And that's true for most survivors. The survivors I talk about in the book, you know, most of us, if you passed us on the street, you would not know that we have survived the kind of things that we have.
0: So you were basically left for dead. And, and what happened to make nurses or doctors realize, hey, uh, this was not a successful abortion?
1: Yeah, I'm sort of the epitome of what people think an abortion survivor is who they think we are. Uh, I was born in a late-term abortion at a hospital. That's where most late-term abortions take place, not because they're expecting us to live and they're going to, you know, immediately provide us medical care. They they happen there because there's a greater risk to women's health sure. the, lo- the later, you know, a woman is in her pregnancy. So, you know, in, in my circumstances, I it was honestly just such a blessing for me to be delivered at that hospital because even though demands were made to leave me to die at least one brave nurse rushed me off to the NICU and that's how medical care was provided to me and you know it's just a beautiful thing for me to connect with some of those who received me there in the NICU know how they prayed over me how they never forgot me they wondered what my life had been like and you know that's what i want people to take away from not only my life but this book is that these are real people that we're talking yeah. about you know i think we get so i don't know just polarized by the very conversation about abortion and i want people to on both sides to take a look at it and say man these are these are fellow human beings the babies and the moms and the dads and the families and and see us and truly, you know, have a conversation and do something about caring for all of us.
0: Well, Melissa, we are here in Alabama, and we have um, really the nation's, uh, you know, strongest abortion laws, you know, that now have went into effect with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And I know you did so much uh, media, national media, uh, back when that that, uh, announcement was made by the Supreme Court uh we're in a very very pro-life state not to say women aren't having abortions of course they are you know we're having issues with uh, the chemical abortions and Mm -hmm. you know we're fighting that and uh, and trying to be involved in that but i I do think what you're saying here is so powerful because abortion survivors break their silence i mean that's the name of the book and you hear these stories and every one of you as you said have your own story your own unique circumstances set of uh, Uh, set of, uh, uh, you know, of surrounding uh, uh, Mm -hmm. people that were around you. Uh, And and so these voices and these stories really do need to be told. Um, But us being in a very legislatively, a very pro-life state, uh, I see other states as we follow nationally, um, even trying to propose legislation to not uh, require doctors and nurses to provide medical care to babies Mm -hmm. who are born uh, that survive an abortion like you, I, what does that? How does that make you feel? What does that do for you and others that that have survived to think that they would change the law to say, okay, doctor, you don't have to provide care if this baby is still alive and laying there and grunting and moving. Uh, go ahead and finish it off outside of the womb. How, how does that affect you and the others that have survived?
1: It's very surreal, right? It's very dehumanizing. To live in a culture like the one that we do and you know I guess the best way I can describe this is you know I get to meet Mm -hmm. with young survivors I have a team of social workers who serve survivors and families but every once in a while I get to meet with young children and I meet with a 12 year old very frequently and you know for her when Roe versus Wade was overturned and she saw people protesting she was so sad, she said, why would they be angry? Isn't this something we should be celebrating? Well, and that's what I want people to recognize, is that behind all of these arguments and and these words, once again, these are real people living these real lives, and it's horrifying, because it directly impacts people like us every day.
0: Melissa Oden is our guest. Uh, the book will be out in January of 24, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. Uh, When we come back, we're going to let Melissa tell us about um, some of the other survivors whose stories are told in this book and and, and even some of the medical personnel who work in the abortion industry. I know uh, Abby Johnson wrote the foreword to the book, and uh, it's a powerful story there as well. So, Melissa, hang on for us, and we'll come back on the other side and continue the conversation with Melissa Oden. Again, the book, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. Uh, We'll let you know how you can get this book, even pre-order it when we come back on the other side. We are back in and continuing our conversation with Melissa Oden. Uh, Her new book will be out in January of 24, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. And uh, if you were with us uh, earlier, before the break, you heard her story of uh, her survival of an abortion. Uh, If you missed that, uh, go check it out at our Priority Talk podcast. You can hear the entire story if you're just joining us. Uh, But, Melissa, you've, you've put together this book really out of your own experience uh, to, to tell the stories of not only yourself, but these other ten abortion survivors and other people involved or that have been involved in the abortion industry. Uh, what do you hope the book accomplishes? And then, then let's get into some of the other people that are highlighted. But what, what do you really hope the book accomplishes, and, and who's it for?
1: Definitely many goals for this book, one of which is to, yes, you know, put a faith and a name to what is very you know, nameless, faceless, voiceless for a lot of people. And for people to understand, this is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. This is a human rights issue. Every single story in this book is, you know, very diverse in terms of where a survivor is from, the type of abortion they survived, um, what their life has been like. And so I want people to really see that abortion is abortion is abortion, regardless of what the law is. And at the same time, I really want people to also find healing. For me, that is a key part. We break our silence when we heal and when we're empowered. And when one person breaks their silence, what it does is then become a magnet for more people to break their silence. But, you know, when we really look at the number of lives that have even been lost to abortion, so over 65 million then think about how many hundreds of millions of people's lives have really been touched by that. So whether someone had an abortion that failed or was successful, the reality is we have lives individually and then families who need to find healing and break their silence in a really big way. And to me, that's really key to establishing a culture of life. We've got to start at ground zero in our own homes.
0: Melissa, how can people uh, order the book, uh, even pre-order it, if they're hearing this uh, before January, how can they pre-order?
1: Yes, the book will be released on January 9th, and it is available for pre-order at this time. So you can go on Amazon to pre-order it, Abortion Survivors Break Their Silence. You can also check it out on Tyndale's website, and that's T-Y-N-D-A-L-E for uh, Tyndale as the publisher.
0: Sure. Um, and, And I would imagine this is going to be a great resource For um, crisis pregnancy centers and uh, other pro-life groups, we we interview and talk with many of those here on the program. We we highlight their work and encourage people to support them. And I I would imagine a book like this will be very useful for them to use with uh, volunteers and potential donors and people like that. I guess there's there's a place for this book, and it'll help advance the pro-life cause.
1: Absolutely. To help people understand more about abortion and really that generational impact of it. Mm-hmm. I think abortion survivors and women who walk through this, because those are some of the stories I share as well, is through the voice of women who either had a successful abortion till reversal, one of those stories in the book is my friend Becky, whose son is alive today because she successfully reversed her chemical abortion, or another woman, Rashida, in the book, who stopped. Her abortion and ultimately save the life of her baby. And so I think we need to to hear those voices and experiences, and it gives us so much depth to the work that we do for the cause of life. And, you know, one of the pieces that I really love about the book as well is that we provide a lot of resources so that people can understand things like born-alive legislation, understand the statistics on the incidence of how many babies survive abortions and then we also give lots of opportunities for people to look at organizations to know who needs help and who to support
0: well absolutely and and you've also got at least the one account uh, from abby johnson as a former uh you know medical worker uh, in, in in the abortion industry uh how tell us abby's story i mean it's her story but you can share uh, briefly and, and, and how common is her story of, of um, people working in the abortion industry who, who finally see enough and go, I'm out?
1: Yeah, Abby and I are, you know, good friends. Mm-hmm. I, I said this recently to someone, and they kind of went, whoa, because I said, you know, I have a lot of friends who are former abortionists and clinic workers, and, and the person I was talking to went, whoa, explain that. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're not enemies. We have more in common than we do different. They were involved in the abortion industry. I survived it. I mean, again, for me, that's the grace of God that I see their humanity and who they are as a person. And Abby's story is definitely one of those that isn't as unique as the abortion industry would make it out to be. And that's the work that she does is, you know, supporting workers like her to leave the industry. And, you know, that's, ultimately why she left is because she was really finally confronted with the reality of the humanity of the babies who were losing their lives to abortion. And she's never looked back and she's used that experience for such good. And so does one of the abortionists whose story is included in my book as well. He's a board member of mine at the Abortion Survivors Network and a dear friend, Dr. Hammond. He left his job as an abortionist after it really being confronted by the humanity of one of the children, he tried to abort.
0: Uh, you can find out more about Melissa at her website melissaoden dot com and her your first book is there as well. You carried me, which I, I have that book, and uh, you can learn much more about her story and the Abortion Survivors Network that you just heard her uh, mention. Um, all kinds of media appearances and uh, you know really a great spokesperson as you're hearing. Uh, for uh, for the unborn and uh, tell us about some of the other stories you tell in the book uh, that's a couple of them but you tell like I guess there's what like at least 15 of them and they look to be uh, I'm just looking at a pre-release of the book um, they're like 10 11 12 pages each so they're they're very mm-hmm. readable.
1: yeah, that's one of the things that I loved about this book is that they are readable snippets of book the book and really the stories that allow you to to get to know that survivor but also, you know, for people who maybe feel like, oh, it's too heavy for me, or oh, I can't handle that. You can handle these small parts of their story. Mm-hmm. So yes, we have, you know, stories of stopped abortions, successful abortion pill reversals told through the the lens of the moms. We have the stories of folks who survived at-home attempts to abort them. We have folks who survived, you know, before Roe. We have uh, a twin survivor during Roe. It's, so it's so diverse and that's really what i want people to take away from this as well because i think one of those arguments we hear a lot about abortion survivors is "eh, you know that's just something you guys talk about nobody really survived it or you guys use that term for everybody no abortion survivor is simply someone who survived an attempt to abort them but the key takeaway is there are so many diverse experiences to it, much more diverse than what you see in the media or you even hear from policymakers. And that's really important is that we educate ourselves about what this really means so that we can have conversations with people. And ultimately, that's what leads to conversion.
0: Melissa, t- as we wrap up, tell us um, what's your view on um, the abortion issue? You know, we're we're heading into a, a national election year. Uh, you, you talk with people um, all over the country, and you're involved legislatively. Uh, where, where do you think this is nationally? We know states have their own laws, uh, but there is a national conversation, and Congress could pass laws uh, nationwide about abortion. Uh, where, do, where do you think we're at right now?
1: Yeah, your keyword there is could, right? Could could yeah. it could if we had the votes and i think that's part of what we have to do is we need to have an honest conversation with ourselves to say okay you know as people are proposing that they are going to introduce legislation what's the reality of that being being able to happen right we hear a lot of promises that can't be kept quite simply because we can't have the votes mm-hmm. So that's an important part, but also at the same time, that should be our motivation to get out the vote to ensure that ultimately we have the folks sitting in those seats who will vote um, the way that we want them to, that we expect them to. Um, But at the same time, you know, as I look at a national, you know, vote and conversation about abortion, I think what strikes me the most is that we have so much work to do to educate people because people are constantly getting messages from the abortion industry and their lobby that are so fear-based, that are not fact-based. And unfortunately, people are so impacted by that, that they aren't looking for all the answers. And so we sort of like have to do double the work to reach them um, and share a message. But boy, these messages are worth sharing.
0: Well, they certainly are. And uh, yeah, even here in Alabama, you know, what you said is so true because we're having to remind people this is not over. It really is just mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, now, we're blessed that we have an extremely uh, good law here in Alabama about abortion. We have no abortion clinics open in our state, uh, all abortions are illegal. That's not to mean they don't leave. People don't. Ladies don't leave the state. That they're not uh, Mm -hmm. illegally getting the pills uh, sent to their home from even out of the country. So these things are going on. So we have to remind people that look, we're 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 still in this. We still have to uh, stand for life. We still have to minister to those who who are affected. They are still in our communities. Um, And so um, what you're saying is so true. And I think this book is so timely to remind people the urgency and the importance of this and, and I, you know we need uh we need the, the power of god and uh, the spirit of god the message that god gives us to choose life and uh, continually do that on an ongoing basis uh, melissa just a real pleasure to have you with us we've we've heard your story over the years and I've been aware of you and, and just a pleasant uh pleasant time to, to visit with you and uh, we really do want to encourage people abortion survivors break their silence it's out in january I think it's going to be a powerful book for any 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 person, any Christian, any ministry leader to share this book with others. And it's how we win the hearts and minds is by telling these stories. Melissa, uh, just a real pleasure. I hope we can have you back on again one day.
1: Please do. Thanks so much.
0: Well, absolutely. Melissa Oden, and uh, we'll uh, have all of this in our show notes where you can find uh, the links for the book and more information about Melissa. God bless you, Melissa. Thank you. Thank
1: you.